He's just an analyst. He can't go on a submarine. We are the Spy Fi Guys, and this is the Hunt for Red October. So, welcome back to the Spy Fi Guys. We are your hosts. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. Welcome back. So, yeah, so today we'll be covering the Hunt for Red October. Yes, this is a classic story that is more spy oriented than you might think tom clancy of course is a prolific american writer and this is his first story he's written a lot of books produced a lot of video games made a lot of movies but this is the one that started it all off and for your listening pleasure i read the book again before we watched the movie and the book if i could summarize it in one word is long even longer than the movie Well, see, you know what's interesting is that I actually found myself enjoying the book more than I did the movie. Interesting. All right. I may not have been in the right, like, frame of mind to watch the movie, but I felt like the movie, most of it, was pretty boring. All right. Well, let's, uh, should we get into it? Uh, sure. Here's the synopsis from IMDb. In November 1984, the Soviet Union's best submarine captain in their newest sub, violates orders and heads for the u.s is he trying to defect or to start a war dun, dun, dun. well let's first start with that big uh, text intro which right. ends with the line nothing of according to the u.s government nothing what what you are about to see ever happened which is like and i find that really interesting just because it's like all right there's nothing in here that it wasn't say based it's on a true story or anything like that. So you would assume that this is not something that actually happened unless they and then and yet they're trying to make you think maybe it did happen. Yeah, it's this this thing older movies like to do where even though something is obviously fictional, they like try to pretend like oh maybe it could have happened. I don't know what's up with that. I didn't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like it when it's a little more straightforward, especially because. This one doesn't have like any sort of fantastical elements. Well, like, like you know, like yeah. monsters or whatever. Oh, okay. Magic. Said, That's yeah. what I mean by fantastical elements. All right. So I don't understand why they would try to imply that it's a true story because if it was a true story, we would have heard something about it, or would we? I guess that's something <laughs> to be revealed later. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we got we got Ramius on his ship, and we don't know what his intentions are. Mm-mm. The audience doesn't. Which is different. From, I mean, I'm going to be saying differences between the movie and the book right. this whole time. But in the book, they string you along a little bit. But within a few pages, he talks about like his plot, how he's going to get his revenge on the USSR because they killed his wife and they killed his father. And all of this stuff that probably would have been a red flag on his security clearance to be a captain of a submarine. But whatever. Which, which is also why I think that uh, that like the tagline or the synopsis that you read was interesting because mm-hmm. even the characters consider that in the, and again, in the book, the characters think that he might start a war for like, maybe like 30 seconds. Oh, hmm. but we'll get to why when we get, when we get up, when we get to there, should we move on to Jack Ryan played by yeah. Alec Baldwin? Yeah. So he's the first of what, how many? So that, so after him was Harrison Ford, Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. Chris Pine, and now mm-hmm. uh, what's his face? Yes, John Krasinski. That's the one. Yes, so that's that's five. Yeah, yeah. almost as many as James Bond. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> all right. So you see him. You know, he's at home. Uh, get, so here's my question. First of all, they're in London. What? So why is he living in London? <laughs> Because that was like his job. He was like, when it starts, he's a historian. I think that's true in the movie too. Mm -hmm. And I think his, I think he's there because of his wife's job. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I was like, it, it, it made no sense for me. And I've, I've seen it before, but I completely forgot that they were in London. I, cause I, I've more recently seen, uh, what is it? Uh, Patriot games where they're living in Annapolis, which makes more sense. So I was like, so when they say London, it's like, why London? Well, exactly. And because um, if if you're trying to make a movie out of a book, you're trying to cut unnecessary things. Why wouldn't you just cut that or have it start with him on the airplane, which I think yeah. is how the book starts. 
Yeah. But so, what's funny is the scene where he's in London, we see Gates McFadden. Yes, Dr. Crusher herself, who mm-hmm. is never seen again. Yep. I don't even remember who she was. Was she his wife? or She's was his she wife. Like a... Yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm. That is and just... then you see yeah. their daughter as well. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the daughter's name is. Oh, I don't remember. Another difference is that I remember how he's looking for a bear. It's like a mm-hmm. sub sub subplot that he's looking for this bear the whole right. time. And then he gets it at the end. In the book, he's looking for a skiing Barbie. Huh. And I guess the reason why All they right. changed it is because they didn't want to pay the rights to use the uh, Barbie name in the movie. Probably not. But, you know, speaking of unnecessary details, we really, I don't think the movie really improved from having him, him do that. <laughs> so, yeah, oh. so he gets on a plane. Um, the attendant, you know, is checking on him and he's, Telling, saying how he gets, he's not going to be able to sleep because of the turbulence. Yeah, he says that he's afraid of flying. Which, I mean, well, we later find out that, you know, he got crashed in a chopper accident, uh, well, like, third, in his third year of the Marines. So, I can be understand why he might be a little afraid of flying. Yeah, absolutely. So then, I have written down as we get our first action scene. Always a good idea to start with action, and that's when... Remius, a.k.a. Sean Connery, kills the political officer on the Red October. Mm-hmm. So did the movie communicate well what a political officer does? Um, I mean, I, well, I had a good idea that it's basically um, just from, you know, reading a bunch of books and everything that it's the person who's to make, supposed to make sure he's like the representative of the party on board to make sure that everyone's being loyal to the party. Yeah. And so he's really loyal to them. And obviously he wouldn't go for a defection. And then in the book, Ramius makes it clear that he really dislikes him on like a personal level too. Yeah. So oh, can no, you can sort of use your imagination about his, all of his negative qualities. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up. We skipped over the meeting with uh, James Greer. Yeah. So the, the reason why I keep doing that is because oh. things are in like a different order. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, in the book, Ramius kills the political officer before we meet Jack Ryan. Oh, uh, I see. Okay. All right. Which one's James Greer? Uh, James Greer? Earl Jones, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Which is kind of important because it d- details why Jack Ryan's looking into all of this. Okay. Because he, you know, he goes and says, you know, shows Admiral Greer this report, this report that uh, British intelligence have picked up about this new submarine which has dr- doors on it that might be a caterpillar drive. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's yeah. correct. And they wouldn't be able to detect it, which is very mm-hmm. concerning. Yeah. So I've got here what he says about the typhoon. It's a typhoon class sub, 12 meters longer than a standard, three meters wider than. So it's a big damn ship. And and here is where we get my first issue with the book. In the All first right. half of the book, anytime anything happens, it's like five pages of description. <laughs> okay. So here he comes in Admiral Greer's office. He's like, what's the situation? He's like, this is a typhoon class submarine. And then it's five pages of description about a ty- of what a typhoon class submarine is. Mm-hmm. Which, unless you're really into that stuff, you're not going to find particularly interesting. And it, it moves the momentum of the story into like a grinding halt. <laughs> I, I, was like in, I was like caught up in this story, but all the description really slows it down. And I'm like, can we just get back to what's going on? Yep. One other thing of note during this talk with Admiral Greer, you know, Greer asks uh, Jack, you know, how's Caroline? And this is the only time that mm-hmm. uh, Jack Ryan's wife is referred to as Caroline. All other times it's Kathy. So oh, wait, so it's like a mistake? It's a mistake. I think in the book it's also just Kathy. So I'm not sure unless. It is Kathy. Really, yeah. So you don't really get Car- Kathy from Caroline. So I don't know what was going on there. So like either either someone on the script messed up, like in Star Wars, where they call him Han Solo and Han Solo, like interchangeably, <laughs> right. or like the the or it's like in character and the Admiral made the mistake, which somehow uh, I doubt. I, I can buy. Well, yeah, I could kind of buy that. All right. So the, the thing is, these characters aren't exactly deep and complicated. <laughs> that's true. At least everyone other than Ramius isn't. Yeah. So I don't think that's what they're going for. By the way, one other thing I forgot to mention is. After the political officer dies, the doctor, who's played by Tim Curry, mm-hmm. gets, has like this weird scene with Ramius where he's like, oh, I have to report it, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I think in the book, the, the doctor is in on the plot. So that's, oh, that's a change. Interesting. Yeah. So, what, well, before he gets murdered, mm-hmm. and let's try to stick to the movie plot just so that 
Okay, sorry. <laughs> confusing our <laughs> listeners a little bit. Right. So we can just So I like, I really liked how, you know, before before this point, when they're speaking, it's all in mm-hmm. Russian. And then they zoom on in on that word, Armageddon. <laughs> and then as he's reading, and then they start trans, like, translating into English after that. And I just, uh, it's a good, because otherwise, I mean, you're not, you don't want to read subtitles the whole movie, but you also need to find a good way to make that transition. And I thought that was a really cool way to do it. And that's like the thing people talk about the most when it comes to this movie. And I think it's really smart, really interesting. And I would kind of wish more movies would do that. I had, <laughs> I had heard that they make the transition and I thought they were going to do it sooner. Like they, mm. they spoke Russian with subtitles much longer than I was expecting. Also, the loyalty officer's name was Putin, which I found really funny. I mean, I yes. don't know how common a name Putin is in mm-hmm. Russia. It could be just like Smith or, you know, I John know. here. But it I just funny. thought that was interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should have written that down because that's a, that's a good point. I also definitely thought he was going to, I figured he was going to kill the loyalty officer, but I thought he was going to poison him. <laughs> Oh yeah, as With opposed like to tea. like the uh, the crazy martial yeah. arts stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But well, I mean, I guess the doctor would have discovered that he had poisoned them in true. Yeah. You know, in, in an autopsy, which of course he was he was going to do. Yeah. Uh, so, to a very convenient accident. Very <laughs> convenient, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So he uses the uh, the loyalty's officer's key to retrieve the orders, but then takes out the real orders and replaces them with his own set of orders that he's cooked mm-hmm. up to aid his own plot. And then he burns the real orders, which seems like a, a terrible idea on a submarine. You have a limited amount of air, and you need up burning something. Well, they, they smoke all the time, too. And I also noticed that, too. Like, should you really be smoking on a submarine? That seems like a bad idea. Same error as when they smoked on airplanes. I guess with the canned air, then they could somehow figure out a way to do yeah. it. But it seems, seems like a bad idea. Yeah. All right. So next in the movie, we go. We have uh, Jack Ryan visiting his friend who works on subs, and you know, questioning him about, you know, could this be a caterpillar drive? But then we get our first sort of Chekhov's gun thing. We see the rescue sub, the tiny like two or three man sub Mm -hmm. that he's working on. Wonder if that ever come back into the picture. Yeah. I, and I actually, that actually didn't occur to me because I was I was too busy trying to figure out where the guy who plays Skip Tyler, aka his friend, is uh, from. He's the guy who plays Principal Rooney in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh yeah, no, yep, he is. And then we also see Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. He's another Soviet officer. There's a lot of famous. He's like the first mate, here. right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually thought he got like a Hugo Weaving vibe off of him for a long time. Huh. He's this kind that. of intense look. Yeah. We go back to the sub, and they, the, you know, Ramius gives them all their orders, and we get, you know, we get all this the Russian singing. Yes, and so in, in the book they explain that all of the officers were chosen by Ramius because they were mm-hmm. loyal to him. So the the officers were in on it, including the right. doctor and Kari, but the mm-hmm. sailors weren't. So they need to lie to the sailors in order to get them to go along with it. So already the idea of like a sub defecting from a totalitarian state like the Soviet Union is already pretty far-fetched. <laughs> and I guess that's the way they kind of try to explain it. But I still didn't find it particularly believable. But whatever. That's why this is the phi and the spy I mean, on this one. I mean, like, you know, they, they even mentioned it in the movie that, you know, he they called him the uh, Vilnius schoolmaster. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. So he basically taught their entire sub-fleet. So, of course, you'd be able to, you know, pick and choose people who are loyal to him because most people would be loyal to him mm-hmm. but i and then we have uh seaman jones who's the sonar operator mm-hmm. who's like god's gift to sonar man <laughs> right so he's you know able to te- detect the tiniest little thing and so i like he even you know when they're nearby apparently and he detects singing somehow yeah well, that would only make sense if the Red October had no idea that the Dallas was there. So it's like the Americans have some some skills of their own. They're able to mm-hmm. sneak up on Red October without being detected. And that, yeah. no idea. Also in the book, this compared gets paired with a five-page description of how sonar works, if you're interested. <laughs> uh, so 
So you head back to uh, Jack Ryan and Admiral mm-hmm. Greer, um, and they're going into a briefing. Right. And we get a great line of, you know, who's giving this briefing? You are. <laughs> and then at, at one point, one of the, I think is the Joint Chiefs of Staff, calls Ryan out. He's like, you're just an analyst. What do you know? That is, so there's two typical, like, there's two things that happen in every Jack Ryan movie and TV show that I've seen, and I've seen actually all of them. Okay. There's always a scene where he's like, I'm just an analyst. I don't go out in the field. Uh-huh. Which he definitely <laughs> says here. Mm-hmm. And there's also a scene where he's in some sort of meeting, and he's just saying something to himself, because he re- realizes what's going on, and then everyone turns to him, and he doesn't realize he was talking that loud. <laughs> We definitely, we definitely got that here too. Well, just yeah. like you said. So another major departure from the book here is that, you know how in this meeting, Ryan's like, well, maybe he's not a madman. Maybe he's defecting. Mm-hmm. In the book, they know that he's defecting because of someone named Cardinal in all caps. So they huh. explain that they've had a spy in the Kremlin for many years named Cardinal. And there's this whole long description of how uh-huh. Cardinal gets messages to them. But Cardinal's yeah. a high-ranking Soviet guy who figures out what Ramia says in the letter that was sent to the... So, so basically, Ramia sent a letter that says, I'm going to defect. You know, you guys suck. Eat it. Which, and so in, in the movie, we know that the letter exists, but we don't know what it says. That we right. can sort of put two and two together. And... You know, in the book, they make it they make it clearer, which I like. First of all, because it's more spy stuff. Second of all, it just makes it a lot cleaner. There's less ambiguity in what's going on. See, I think uh, this is the difference between movies and film, uh, movies and books. Mm-hmm. I think there needs to be sort of an element of mystery about it for a movie, just because it's you. That way, you know, the actors can sort of play that sort of ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Better, better, I think. I might play it might not work as well in a you know in a book where you're gonna might get there all their inner thoughts and everything so that in that case that might work better but in a movie you I think it works better if you're not quite sure whether what he's gonna do so I totally get that point of view we are partial to his thoughts in the book so it wouldn't have worked as well but mm-hmm. something I would have liked about the movie then is that they should have brought up some of that more subtle things mm. so for Remius. I would have liked to see a little bit more. And I don't know how they would have done it, but I'm not a filmmaker. Like (laughs) I would have liked to have seen a little more ambiguity about his intentions. Like you don't Mm. really know what he's thinking, except that he's heading to America. Mm -hmm. And also this is fast forwarding a little bit, Mm -hmm. but when Ryan tells like that pilot or something that if you don't get me on that submarine, there's definitely going to be a a war, a nuclear war. Mm -hmm. Remember that part? Yes. I also didn't get the, I didn't, the, the movie didn't communicate the feeling to me that they were like right on a knife's edge uh, of going to war with the USSR. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Did you feel that way? No, you're right. But maybe he was just over exaggerating to actually get that, get it to happen. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, also, they talk about, I guess this is skipping ahead too. Sorry about that. They, okay. they um, they talk about how all of the American ships and all of the Soviet ships are out and they're like going, 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 and they're searching, searching, searching. In the movie, we never see them. Huh. I would have liked to have seen that. I would have liked to have yeah. felt more like there was this huge thing going on. I mean, and, you know, all that stuff. I think partially that is budget. <laughs> like they were, yeah. that's why you could show them on a map, but you can actually show them out there because i mean you have to first of all either get all those ships or build models to do it and make the models look really good mm-hmm. oh and you know get u.s navy cooperation f- to do that which i'm not sure how much cooperation from the navy they had for this um but i can't mm-hmm. imagine that they'd want that the navy would want to use whole f- you know fleet for filming so apparently there's some kind of rule that the U.S. military will only allow film crews to use their material in movies that makes the U.S. military look good. Or maybe that's a rumor. I don't know. I think that's true. a rumor. I know that uh, they will. They will do like a pat. Like they want want to see the script first before they allow anything. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just that they can't. They won't do it for movies where like the U.S. military is like the villain. Well, or, like, yeah, the bad that just that, that's how. I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, because certainly for the movie Hot Shots starring Charlie Sheen, the US military <laughs> doesn't exactly come off looking great. But uh, you know, there's too much stuff in it for them to have made it on their own. <laughs> All right. So yeah. moving on. All right. 
Yeah, so where were we? We so he's were in the meeting with the Joint Chiefs. He gets assigned to do it, to go <laughs> find Captain Ramius and see if he's actually defecting or what's going on. Yep, and also he so in this space, Jack Ryan is basically acting as a spy because he's mm-hmm. going with these with these sailors and they don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he, so his job is to like spy on them as well as do his own mission. Also, a minor departure from the books is, and I could totally see why they cut this out, is that mm-hmm. before he makes it, he like spends most of his time on a British ship called the HMS Invincible. Really. Yeah, so okay. it's like a, a British aircraft carrier that they've like borrowed for the purposes of finding Red October. Interesting. By the way, the British that leads me to something I wanted to tell you that the British have like the best ship names. Oh yes, definitely. Dauntless or whatever. Yes. They're all invincible, indefatigable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the state names that the US has too. Or in like carrier names like Enterprise, but mm-hmm. the Brit- British are real, real solid. Yeah. So speaking of the Enterprise, mm-hmm. Jack goes to the USS Enterprise, uh, what, two years before one Commander Chekhov steals some nuclear material from it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. If you like to imagine it's the same universe, I mean, it's possible. Yeah, although and now that I think about it, it is also the same carrier that one Pete Maverick Mitchell flies off of in the beginning of Top Gun. Yep. And which is in nineteen, which is also in nineteen eighty six, actually. So, wonder how it got so quickly from the middle of the in- Indian Ocean back to San Francisco. Well, like they said, they got a job to do, so keep keep it going. So there's all, but actually, just before he gets to the Enterprise, I have a note that the Red October experiences mechanical problems. Ah, uh, yes. So that's when they first have the uh, have sabotage. Wait, right. let me see. Well, it's left a little ambiguous as to whether it is sabotage or not. Mm-hmm. Also, in this scene, Remus tells one of his uh, one of his underlings to shut up, which I thought was kind of interesting. <laughs> shut up! <laughs> not not very professional, but mm. okay. Well, neither was he because he kept questioning his com- captain's. Yep. Or his captain, right? Yeah, his captain's orders. Mm-hmm. So also while Ryan's on the Enterprise, we get a film of an airplane crashing into the deck of the Enterprise. Yeah. Which to me, sort of, that sort of, sort of should have been like a bigger deal. Yeah. If it's not a bigger deal, then why put it in? I think it was supposed to be sort of emphasizing the uh, danger that was going on. So, was, so the story behind that ship, the plane crashing, was that it was, uh, you know, you have like a gun. If you have sort of a rescue operation, actually... This is very similar to the end of Top Gun, now that I think oh, yeah? about it. <laughs> where you have, well, the end of Top Gun, the reason that they have those ships going out, or the, pl- the planes going out, is there's a, a it was, in this case, it was in Top Gun's case, it was a U.S. Uh, ship that went off course, or had got uh, damaged and went, went off course into uh, non-friendly waters. And so you have the rescue operation mounting, but the other side is also coming in and sending their planes, and they get into mm-hmm. a skirmish. So that's basically so that's basically what happened off screen when and we you know when one of these planes apparently got hit mm-hmm. and it was trying to trying to land and didn't land okay or didn't make it so yeah so that's what that deal with that was and it was sort of just like an offhand mention so you're right so it should have given it a bit, bit more than I mention I think during this period when they're like searching for each other this is another mm-hmm. book thing there's actually more action scenes in the book than there is in the movie which I guess yeah. makes sense the book's longer. One of them is similar to this where a Soviet plane is like scouting and he's like, look, he's like looking for American ships and a bunch of American planes like sneak up on him without even realizing that they're there because America, we can do anything. (laughs) So they're like, why don't you go on home? And I somehow he like shoots missiles at them. Like, I don't remember whether this is the same scene or another one, but at some Uh point an American plane gets like hit by a Soviet missile and almost crashes. Hmm. And that's really intense because it's like, oh my god, if they start shooting at each other, there's going to be war, and if mm-hmm. there's war, then it's going to be nuclear annihilation and all all that all that stuff. Yeah, one of the lines I really liked in in these the scene where they're you know they're chasing each other, but also the you know the uh, Red October is going through that trench, and mm-hmm. you have the one sailor who's really freaked out at, um, that you know they're going so fast in this trench, and you have the navigator who's like. Give me a compass and a map, and I'll fly the Alps in a plane with no windows. 
Yeah, that was awesome. Also, the part where he's like, he's like waiting, waiting, waiting to like turn to the last second. Mm-hmm. Is that oh. the same? Where there, is that the same yeah. one? Because there's two parts where they're like, where it's like the part where they're being chased by torpedoes. Is what I'm. Yeah. So that's uh, well, it's it happened shortly. That happened shortly after my part that I was talking oh, okay. about. So oh, it's sorry. when they're in the trench already. Yeah. So no, it, it like mm-hmm. happens like right. Okay. Right in the trench, their trench, and then the caterpillar drive fails. Mm-hmm. And then, so they have to, you know, go on right without silent running. Okay. Yeah. And then that's when people were able to pick them up on radar or on sonar. And that's how they, you know, that missile gets fired at them. But yeah, that was a really tense scene with uh, <laughs> uh, the first mate, you know, with his timer timing. Okay. This is how, 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 I don't, how do they, how do they do that? So that, that know how many how many seconds until the launch if they're they have, like that's some really quick math in your head you're, mm-hmm. that you're doing if you're like okay we've sped up this much and now it's this far off well i guess that's why they're the professionals yeah. <laughs> or, or i mean maybe they have like some rickety 80s computer that could do it so usually submarine stuff doesn't really do very much for me yeah I have to say. like those wow. like and those old, the Wrath of Khan is different, but like in the in the series, yeah. when they uh-huh. have the parts, or even sort of in the movie where they're like stalking each other and it's all like tense, I uh-huh. just find it, I just find it kind of boring. Really? What? Oh, Sorry. that's like <laughs> ratcheting up the tension. Is who's gonna find each other? Who first? Who's gonna strike first? It's all. It's mm. I don't know. I, that works for me completely. I was maybe saying. maybe it's because Rather Khan I've already seen, and then in this case I read the book, so I like knew what was going to happen. Uh, okay, maybe. Well, as but like those scenes in the Dark Knight when it's like the bombs are going to go off mm-hmm. and it's really tense. That really did it for me. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, yeah. But with the, the yeah the part where they're being chased by the torpedo that was really good. Even though the, the old green screen technology, I'm not sure aged that well. <laughs> like the, the special effects. <laughs> I mean, you got to think that this is what, uh, 1990. Uh, 1990 so yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, you know, we didn't, technology are like non-existent. No, you, you're still what nine years before the matrix. So that's, there's, that's like an entire sort of generation of movie making every yep. 10 years. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, for that aid, that era, mm-hmm. right. I think next work. Yes. Yeah, so we also have a meeting between, the Soviet ambassador and a U.S. official, where uh, where he's basically he has to, you know, basically state that they lost the Red October, right? And they now, well, at first they say we don't need your help to find mm-hmm. it, and then they have to reveal that, oh, uh, he may be uh, trying to launch a nuclear missile at you guys, so come help us find him. <laughs> That was that was crazy that he would admit that. Well, it's I don't think it was that crazy because he basically had he, you know he could play his cards however he wanted to, and he's making the U.S. do his own work for him by saying that he might launch a missile because they know very well the Soviets know that he's trying to defect. That's why they're trying to catch mm-hmm. him. But the, the, they're it's risky if the Americans find him first. Actually, uh, you're no, right. It because is they're going to kill him. Because they would just sink him. Yeah, yeah that, that, they wouldn't that, try to talk true. to him. That's why Jack Ryan is trying so hard to be the first one to find him. Mm-hmm. So that that actually is probably a good difference. That because because when the Americans know, but they can't always tell all their sailors what's really going on. Uh, but when the Americans don't, when the Americans are actively trying to kill him, that makes the stakes kind of higher. And I do yeah. kind of like that. Mm-hmm. That that's that's different. Um, but the, but the Soviet, you know, in real life, the Soviets would probably never admit. <laughs> they'd, rather, they'd rather end the world. Probably. Well, so that's and why it, you yeah. have why you ha- only have the U.S. Uh, the Soviet ambassador saying it to a U.S. official, but not having it out through public media. You can have these things behind closed doors, and no one will find out about it. Theoretically. Theoretically, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they did have to explain something because when you know the Americans can tell when all of their ships are moving, and they're not just going to buy that it's like an exercise or something like eh. that. Or will they? <laughs> mm, I, I, I guess the Soviets gave the American president a little bit more credit than that. There's a lot more scenes of the ambassador talking to the president in the yeah. book, but uh, none of, none of them are really kind of stand out in my memory. Mm-hmm. We get a scene with uh, Ramius talking to his first maid about, you know, where when they defect, where are they going to go live? And mm-hmm. this is, well, this is when I knew that that first maid was going down because he started talking, making plans for the future. Oh, like, really? oh he's gone. <laughs> he's going to die. 
Yeah, you might as well say it's like two days before retirement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then, but what's his name? Ramius also has ideas, but for some reason, I believe he's going to make it. Whereas I, I did not think that the first officer was going to make it. So, spoiler mm -hmm. alert, he, when he does die, I was not that surprised. I was still sad, but I was not surprised. But he's yeah. making the first officer is making his plans to go live in Montana, have an RV, and drive to Arizona every year or every winter. Whereas That's Ramius, I think, just wants to live. <laughs> Somewhere we can fish. Yeah. The piece yeah. of fishing. The, the piece of fishing, he calls it. <laughs> well, I guess it's important to establish your motives. Yeah. Even at this late, your character's motivations, even at this late hour. Yeah. And so we get, so we get Jack Ryan realizing that this, um, the, uh, what's it, the USS Dallas, the submarine that's been chasing the Red October. Mm -hmm. No one else knows that they've been chasing the Red October because they can't really communicate with anyone else. So, but he realizes that they're, that they found him and he gets on board a helicopter and does a crazy stunt to lower him from a helicopter into the submarine. That, that part was literally the only part of this movie that I remembered before watching it. For some reason, I so, thought it was like at the beginning. Ah, uh, <laughs> they also so they use it also as that exact same setup and the exact same footage in an episode, the second episode of Jag. Oh yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yeah, so yeah. Jag basically had like access to the entire Paramount Library of maybe movies or whatever. So like the first episode is uses all sorts of footage from Top Gun, and then when I was mm. watching the second issue, was like episode i was very was like wait a minute this looks exactly nope this is definitely mm -hmm. the same footage well, that's pretty that's pretty smart <laughs> it's a way to save on costs where you can make have you know hollywood level stunts but not have to pay for yeah, well, it certainly it looked really good oh yeah. yeah no i mean that that stunt looked really good but i also just enjoyed how the helicopter once he drops in the water it was like well we're out of here peace out <laughs> yeah hopefully he didn't break his legs or anything on the way down mm -hmm. But yeah, so they so he, he gets on the Dallas and then they're like, okay, we need to like communicate with the Red October through Periscope Morse code. Mm -hmm. Right. And he like explains what their like plan is, how they're going to get everybody out. He asks, uh, or Jack Ryan asks Ramius to co confirm with a single ping. And each time mm -hmm. Sean Connery says, uh, what does he say? Uh, confirm our distance. One ping only. <laughs> yeah, were you, were you a fan of Sean Connery in that? I really, I liked him a lot in this. So, like, so growing up, I didn't, I didn't see the Bond movies until like maybe I was thirteen. So in my mind, Sean Connery was always, always old man Sean Connery. Mm -hmm. So, like, seeing him like this in, in, in my mind's eye, his prime, <laughs> right, was I liked it a lot. And even though he didn't do a Russian accent. Um, I, th I thought it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I almost shudder to imagine him trying to do other accents. <laughs> right. Um, oh. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I thought he did a perfectly fine job and certainly helped sell the movie. Oh so. yeah, definitely. I almost um, would have liked to have seen more of him. I don't think yeah. he was in it as much considering he was top build. Mm -hmm. So funny story about this. So when they sent him the script, Mm -hmm. and this is 1990 so this is after the fall of the berlin wall they have detente um well uh, i thought the berlin wall fell in 1991 uh, i thought it was oh wait no sorry as after chernobyl which is in 89 oh, okay. and then that's the start of detente you're right and then it fell in 90 was wait it, it, it says no. it's all in 1989 i was okay that's right the that's what right, i thought all right so uh, so it's it, after after the fall of berlin wall detente is, mm -hmm. detente is starting and so Connery doesn't realize when this is said. It's like, I don't think this is going to work. We have detente. What, why would this happen? <laughs> and then apparently the first page, which explains it is set, set in 1984, did not get faxed to him. Oh. So once they faxed him that first page, he's like, oh, that makes much more sense. Yes, I'll do it. Well, good on Sean Connery for keeping up with current events. Right? <laughs> this is living in like that celebrity bubble. Yeah. But, but like, yes. how, can you, how can you forget the first page of a screenplay? I it's don't. Well, boring. maybe it's like, you know, well, if you remember Fax, you always have a cover page. So, and so maybe they 
forgot to do a cover page and faxed it, and then someone thought this first page was just a cover page and tossed it well, out. I think it's interesting that they do like a Cold War movie, like all the Cold War is like almost over. That's true, yeah. Well usually, well, usually with these kinds of things, they give it a little bit of time to sort of mm-hmm. let the memory kind of settle. So, like, they didn't start making Vietnam War movies until, like, you know, later in the 70s. It's not like yeah. the war was over and they immediately started making movies about it. Same with World True. War II, with True. a few exceptions. Yeah. But yeah, so getting back to the story, they uh, they bring their sh- uh, sh- the su- this Red October south to an abyssal, which is a really deep uh, trench, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they fake a reactor leak. Yes. And they do some f- reverse psychology on the doctor to make him th- think that, no, we're, you know, no, nothing's wrong. We, and say, like, no, Captain, you have to evacuate it. Oh, if you say so, <laughs> of course we'll evacuate the yeah. man. So this was the, so the problem with, with this whole plan yeah. is, well, not, not the problem with the plan, but the, the, the things they have to figure out is how to get all of the loyal crew members off the ship and the- off the, off the Red October. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to make them think that the Red October was destroyed because mm-hmm. otherwise the Soviets will want it back, which is something we haven't talked about yet. Right. Which I thought was hilarious when they when they bring that up. <laughs> I also so talking about the doctor and we didn't really talk about him that much mm-hmm. before. So I when I saw well I've seen this re- very recently but when I saw it, you know, like about a month ago, Mm-hmm. I remember. I vaguely remember that there was some traitor on board, uh-huh. and for I kept thinking it was the doctor. I like kept thinking, "Oh, it's definitely the doctor." But it was a nice red herring that it wasn't mm-hmm. the doctor, so, and I was like very pleasantly surprised. All right, you, you, you fooled me. Maybe Tim Curry just has that kind of suspicion. It's just a slimy. He's just you know he just was very <laughs> slimy and sort of you know weaselly, and I was like, he's got to be the traitor. See, that's interesting because I didn't. He didn't strike me as as slimy. Okay, maybe you it's know, just you know. Maybe it's because I already knew that he wasn't the traitor, uh, but hmm. he just seemed like a guy who wasn't a conspirator, but he wasn't like uh, a person. He was just loyal okay. to his country, you know. Yeah, but he kept popping up in places where you know <laughs> the the uh, you know where popping up where sabotage would happen and stuff like that. I was like, oh, it's got to be him. It's obviously him. Hmm. Uh, but I was wrong. So, yeah, so they get all the crew into the rafts and, you know, they tell the doctor, we're going, you know, there's an American, they see an American uh, frigate and they said, all right, you know, you know, save the men. We're going to go down and scuttle the ship. Yep. Oh, the officers are going to go down with the ship before they let it fall into the Imperialist hands, which I loved. (laughs) And then the U.S. launches a torpedo from a, from a, was it a helicopter or a plane? I, don't, uh, I, I think I, it, I think it was a helicopter, which, which I didn't know this thing. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that either. But I was like, okay. So, and then you get the t- torpedo approaching the ship, and then Admiral James Greer presses Return. a button. Yup. <laughs> that torpedo did not self-destruct. You heard it hit the hull, and I was never here. <laughs> <laughs> So they had to make, make the deception with both from their own people and from the mm-hmm. Soviets. Exactly. Okay. And then we get the Chekhov's gun, or Chekhov's sub, shall we call it, of the rescue uh, sub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming with Jack Ryan and the uh, captain of the Dallas and the sonar guy uh, coming on board the uh, Red October. And you see them, well, you know, the captain gives Jack Ryan a gun and with when they see all the guns, I like how they make a callback reference to, uh, you know, let's hope we don't get uh, boarded by some buckaroo. <laughs> I don't remember that part. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, it's in the very beginning. It's like when, when they're talking about the defection and saying, you know, let's hope that, you know, the American we deal with is someone smart and not some sort of buckaroo. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, they did get someone yeah. smart. Uh, so, so there's like a, a minor difference in, in the book. Um, yeah. And the mo- so in the book, the Red October stays down, and the sub does multiple trips up and down huh. to get to get okay. all the men down. Eh. Which, which I mean, works not- because there's Soviet guys patrolling the area. Ah, okay. And, I, mean, I think that was a yeah yeah a, a way to condense things, definitely. Mm-hmm. And also, that's that's why that's why Jack Ryan and like some other Americans get like stuck on. 
Okay. Because on, on when the when the like the 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 uh, rescue sub is like comes back, that's when Skarsgård attacks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we haven't talked about Stellan Skarsgård, who's yeah. <laughs> one of the like closest. Was he like one of the, uh, you know, one of the people that Ramius had trained? Who, yeah, he was. He but was. wasn't lo- necessarily going to be loyal to him. He's more loyal to the Soviet cause. So they send mm-hmm. him to try to ca- track him down and catch him, and you don't really. You don't really see him appear until like this point, really. Like, well, I mean, you see him appear, but you don't see him finding the ship until this point, really. He's sort of like Carrie Fisher in the Blues Brothers, <laughs> where he's like, he will show up every now and then just to uh, remind you that he's still on Ramius' exactly. tail, and you know he's gonna gonna have the showdown sooner or later. Yeah. So his ship shows up, his sub shows up, and there's a battle. Mm-hmm. Um, the the rescue sub goes away before it gets can get uh, hit, mm-hmm. and at the same time, we find out that the saboteur is a cook who yeah, is never on trust board, cooks. Right? That's the big lesson from this: is that never trust cooks. But there's other cooks who are spies too. <laughs> <laughs> so rather than the butler did it, it's it's the cook. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, basically. But, yeah, but. This this brings me back to my original theory. So the doctor is the one who did the count, but he didn't count the cook. So maybe he was a spy. Oh, that's true. I'm, I'm kidding. Well, or it's just some, or he's just really not that good at counting men. Yeah, I think in the book they explain it where they were just like so they just wanted to get everybody out of there. There's so much other stuff going on that they like mm-hmm. missed somebody. Uh but that's a very that's a very human failing. So I, another couple differences here is that. For in the in the book, first they deal with the spy and mm-hmm. with the, the cook spy. The they have the the gunfight, yeah. and then Skarsgård shows up and they oh. fight him. Well, I think I like it better condensed, where they're both happening at once, gives it a bit more drama. It's great. Well, it, yeah. it's sort of like so. Let's contrast the two movies, okay? So yeah. we have Return of the Jedi, where there's multiple battles happening, and you like go between them, versus uh-huh. Speed with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> where they're in danger and then they get out of danger. And then they're in danger again and they're out of danger. And it's like progressively rising again. I was wondering where you were going to go with that. <laughs> yes, thank you. So I also like the way they did it in the movie where it's yeah. like multiple things happening at the same time. Yeah. I, it's just a, a lot cleaner. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like, oh my God, it's going to be another ending. This movie's just going to mm-hmm. keep going. But... Something that they didn't explain in the movie is mm-hmm. that the Dallas can't shoot Skarsgård sub. Huh. Because that would be starting a war. Huh. I I guess I didn't really ever think about it. But yeah, that that, that makes sense. Because right. yeah, and they would be firing on an, on an active Russian submarine. Right. But similarly, Skarsgård can't shoot at the Dallas either. Uh, so what the Dallas was doing was like trying to get in between uh-huh. the Red October and Skarsgård's sub. Interesting. Yeah, which I had written down, but actually all of my notes from the book got like blast. So, oh no, a technical issue. So I'm just going by what I remember. <laughs> oh yes, uh, but during the gun the gun battle with the cook, um, mm-hmm. Sam Neo dies, and you know he never got to see Man Montana. Sad. Nah. Eh. I don't know. He's a disposable character. Oh well, I- in my mind. <laughs> In my mind, uh, Ramius took his ashes and spread the, half of them in Montana and half of them in Arizona. Aw, that's nice. <laughs> Ramius doesn't really seem like the sentimental type, though. Eh, I don't know. He, he, No, I, I will dispute that point. Because <laughs> okay. he planned his defection for the anniversary of his wife's death. That is not something someone who's not sentimental does. Oh, you know what? You're right. All right, I've changed, I've changed my opinion. I bet he totally did that in the un, unpublished sequel. There we go. Tom Hanks <laughs> never got to write. Also, also, the fact that he wrote like the letter and like sent it mm-hmm. is like, yeah. yeah, he's like a total, he's a total drama, drama mm-hmm. queen. Mm-hmm. Another, uh, sorry, I know I keep doing minor differences. No, no, that's, movies, that's good I to think know, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they do the classic thing, which we've seen in a lot of sci-fi movies where they, uh-huh. the enemy shoots the torpedo and then they maneuver around to get killed uh-huh. by their own torpedo. Even uh-huh. Skarsgård's, one of his seamen, seamen <laughs> is like, uh, you fool, you've killed us. <laughs> like, like, it needs to literally explain that to the audience so uh-huh. they don't get it. So in the book, the Red October just rams Skarsgård's song. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's how they deal with oh, it. I like, I like the movie better, I think. Even though it's a trope. It's just a cool, such a cool way to do it. Yeah. And 
one last thing that I was going to wait to mention at the end, but I'll mention now is that the way they trick. So, so first of all, they, they trick the Soviets. So, okay. Let me back up. So they they come up with this plan. They're like, okay, we need to get the Soviets to believe that the red October has been sunk. So what we're going to do is we're going to take one of our subs called the USS Ethan Allen, and we're going to scuttle it. And, that's part one. But then they also, okay. while, while doing the rescue sub, they take pieces of equipment from the Red October off the Red October and then just throw it <laughs> into the wreck of the Ethan Allen so that when the Soviets come to inspect it, also on the rescue sub, they'd be like, yup, there's this unique drivetrain uh, or whatever that's hmm. on the Red October. So, you know, they do all that. The Soviets are like, okay, we're done. You know, the Red October has been destroyed. Everybody go home. And everyone does go home except for this one sub. That detects the Red October by pure happenstance. And then we get the whole action. Uh, huh. Interesting. Again, like speed, where it's like once you think <laughs> once you think it's over, suddenly everyone's in danger again. Mm-hmm. I guess your, your mileage may vary about which one you find more appealing. Yeah. But then, so... of course, now we have two wrecked subs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one other thing I notice here is that Ryan walks up to Ramius and says, "I work for the CIA." <laughs> yeah, no, he he's not subtle about that. He just, <laughs> but it's I like, guess it's not a time for subtlety. <laughs> uh, well, because he wants, to, you know, I think. Well, first of all, he wants to make because sure, he we kind of didn't mention that he's in a you know a naval officer's uniform this whole time, right? Um, even though he's one. not in the navy, he was mm-hmm. marine but not navy. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, he, he wants is, to make sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely correct. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. you want to tell people about it, <laughs> let alone people who are still technically the enemy. Also, earlier, I have this written down. Ryan says, I know this man. It's like, what? Well, he wrote a paper about him, and this is which is like another thing. Another thing that's of Jack Ryan trope, but he's the usually like he's the only person who knows anything about this person, usually. See, I don't really have so much of a problem with that because that makes sense for why they called him in in the first place. Yeah, no, true. It's, so it's, a, 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 it's not a bad trope. It's just something that happens every time. <laughs> well, I mean, we love we love those tropes for a reason. It's sort of like James Bond and his gadgets. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes you a nice warm feeling where it's, some things never change. <laughs> the world may change, but Jack Ryan books stay the same. Mm-hmm. All right. So just we have a, a scene with... Um, Remius and Ryan on the sale. That's a little. That's a little spy in, or not spy. That's a little sub information for you there. Ooh. That thing that sticks up the top of a sub is called the sale. I did not know that. Yeah, and um, the green screen is also the bad <laughs> green screen makes its terrible. return. It looks All terrible. Right, I'll, I'll give you this one. This one looked <laughs> terrible. Other stuff, not so much, but this one was really obvious. Mm-hmm. And so, then yeah. you know they talk some more. I don't. I don't even know. Like. None of it really stood out to me. They just mm-hmm. talked about like, oh, maybe someday we won't be enemies anymore. You know, the usual. <laughs> mm-hmm. Except not. Well, why not? Well, because, I mean, look at the current world we live in. Oh. Womp womp. Uh, That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, go if you, you go to the International Spy Museum, they t- tell you that even like after the... In the mid two thousands, Russian p- attempted penetration of the U of the U S was even higher than during the Cold War. Hmm, that's too, that's too bad. I yeah. sort of thought things were okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, like that that's sort of like why the nineties were so happy because they were like Soviets are out, mm. everything's going to be peaceful. America's number one. Good times. <laughs> this is good times for the nineties. Yep. But yes, yeah, so the movie ends with uh, what Ramius gives. Uh, which gives him a quote from Christopher Columbus, which I should have written down, but I did not. And then Ryan simply just says, welcome to the new world, sir. Nice. I like that. Yeah. And then Ryan gets his bear. <laughs> oh, yes. And he falls asleep on the plane. Hey. Not afraid of turbulence anymore. Hey, it all comes full circle. I, I do like it when movies do that. Yeah. All right. Well, that is it for the hunt for Red October. We have yeah. no spy fact. And well, spy fiction. we got a little bit of spy. Uh, so, what I did a little bit of research on, and by that I mean just a little bit of googling about mm-hmm. caterpillar drives. So they do ex- They could theoretically exist, mm-hmm. but uh, for they wouldn't be as silent okay. as they as they said in the movie. So you'd actually get a uh, very distinct. Was it magnetic signature from it? Okay, so, so you it would be easy to detect. What exactly is a caterpillar drive? So 
the way they explain it is well it's more common well more fancily known as a magnetohydrodynamic drive okay um so it, it basically uses uh it's like a jet engine for submarines is basically what it would be all right so it makes it go so that's why you have the doors in the front and the doors on the back and it goes through those doors and in theory being more quiet than having an engine running or nuclear you know nuclear uh right. reactor running Mm -hmm. yeah. That's something we talk about is how you have to choose between being quiet and being fast. Mm -hmm. And at one point, the Dallas detects all these ships just booking it towards the mm -hmm. U.S. because they're they're hunting Red October, no pun intended, <laughs> or whatever. So yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that's all I've got for uh, spy fact and spy fiction. Okay. Yeah, I I, uh, I have I have nothing either. I basically treated this as as more or less fiction. So time for for our rating, a scale of one to ten martinis. Would you would you like to go first? Sure. You know, I'll give this eight martinis because yeah, I really, really enjoyed like it. That. I liked it a lot. It worked for me. I mean, I thought uh, I'm. A, I think it's a shame that Alec Baldwin didn't get more Jack Ryan movies because right. he instead chose to do the Phantom. I think is what happened. <laughs> oh my God! Was that, was that really him who was in that? I didn't oh yeah, no, it's, it's definitely him, and I, that's that's about the right era. But I'm not sure if it's actually turned. He turned it down, or he was just unavailable, and then made the Phantom. Okay. Wow, that's that's really something. Well, I didn't I didn't enjoy it quite as much as you did. Sorry, right. I may not have been in the right frame of mind. The, the movie I would give sort of more like a five out of ten. All right. And the book. I would all I would say the the from the half of the book forward is like a seven out of ten. All right, <laughs> but all right. the first half is more like a, t a two out of ten because it's so much <laughs> description. So I'll average it out to be like six out of ten. Yeah. So I would recommend the book for people who are willing to skip large amounts of description and you want to sort of see where all the Jack Ryan stuff came from. But just, or if you don't want to deal with the description, watch the movie. Oh yeah, there there you go. Or if you really like Sean Connery, it's like there I feel too. like it's, if you're a Sean Connery fan, you like can't miss it. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. All right. So tune in next time uh, where we'll be covering the Red Sea Diving Resort, the Netflix original movie. So it's easy to find. And join us. Till next time. I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And we are the Spy Fi Guys signing off. Thank you for listening to the SpyFi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.